well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad to be back behind the microphone with you once again. Although I will say I uh, did enjoy a couple of days off. Yesterday was uh, Miss E and I's 26th wedding anniversary. I believe the traditional way to uh, celebrate 26 years is uh, hair care. So uh, we went to my favorite barber uh, in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I got my beard trimmed, got a, a haircut. Miss E got her head shaved down once again. Unfortunately, the uh, third time her hair has grown back from chemo. Yeah, it's just kind of like this weird baby floss hair. She got sick of it. So uh, she is bald and beautiful today. And uh, happy belated anniversary to you, darling. Not that she watches this program on a regular basis, but uh, <clears throat> whatever. We're going to be talking about, uh, once again, the upcoming special session in Tennessee today. Because there is, first of all, we don't even know what's going to be introduced. I mean, we're less than three weeks away from this session. And we have no idea what bills are coming. And it may be that these bills get introduced and uh, are debated without a single public hearing. We're going to get to the uh, gory details here in just a second. But before we do, you know, Biden's America is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. So let's talk about what's going on in Tennessee. Uh, last week, we reported on the fact that uh, Governor Billy has still not officially called for this special session that is supposed to begin on August 21st. Uh, but the uh, Tennessean reported that the governor's been huddled behind closed doors with lawmakers as they are sort of game planning out uh, what they want to do. This is a secret working group that the governor had not previously acknowledged until now, including both Republicans and Democrats, uh, comes while Republican leadership is still, uh, at least publicly, opposed to the temporary mental health restraining order, uh, red flag law light, basically, that uh, Governor Bill Lee is calling for. So here we are now, less than two weeks, or excuse me, less than three weeks away from this special session. And the uh, Tennessee Lookout reporting, Governor promises to make special session calls, sponsor bills amid GOP opposition. So, yes, uh, Governor Lee says the special session uh, is going to take place, although he said he probably won't call for the special session until maybe a week out, which is just absolutely crazy to me. Tennessee Lookout reporting, still facing challenges from Republican leaders. Governor Bill Lee confirmed he will make an official call for a special session and sponsor several bills, including one he floated this spring dealing with extreme risk orders of protection. Yet just four months after a mass shooting at the Covenant School in Green Hills, Lee is hitting roadblocks set up by his own party and Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson, who continues to say he will not support the governor's order of protection bill. Lee said recently he also plans to push legislation on juvenile justice, mental health, and violent crime. And noted that lawmakers will back dozens 
of bills during the special session. He declined to give more details. He said, quote, Tennessee will be a safer state as a result of the efforts of the legislation and the legislators who are engaged in the process of this special session on public safety. Well, here's my question. What about the voters? Dozens of bills going to be uh, not passed, according to uh, Bill Lee, but uh, dozens of bills will be backed by lawmakers. When do we get to see these bills? I mean, we know the rough outlines of what anti-gun Democrats are calling for, right? They want to raise the age to purchase a firearm. They want to ban on so-called assault weapons. They want firearms preemption to disappear so that cities like Memphis and Nashville can pass their own local gun laws. Again, we know the rough outlines of what the Democrats are calling for, but the Republicans control both the House and Senate in Tennessee. So, again, we also know the rough outlines of this temporary mental health restraining order that Governor Lee has proposed. We know that the roadblocks are there. But the uh, details of all of these provisions, as well as even the rough outlines of things like, you know, juvenile justice, mental health, violent crime measures, voters are still in the dark. And again, there is no guarantee that once this special session begins, (laughs) that there's going to be any sort of public hearing. Again, this is a special session, right? So it's designed to be sort of compact. I've heard uh, reports that the special session may last no longer than a week. Now, if you've got dozens of bills that are being debated and being heard, what's that committee process going to look like? When does the public get a chance to, A, examine the bills, have time to see what's in them, and then, B, have a chance to comment publicly? Right now, you've got this public portal that's open. People can submit their comments about what they'd like to see. But that's only half of the equation. The other half is when bills get introduced, we have the opportunity to respond. We have the opportunity to weigh in. And, you know, we've seen in Massachusetts attempts to strong arm gun control into law without holding a public hearing. Right. Trying to ram uh, a sweeping uh, Second Amendment prohibition bill. I wouldn't even call it a gun control bill. It, it, It basically decimates your right to keep and bear arms. And the sponsors of that bill tried to ram it through the legislature before the end of July. Uh, again, without holding any public hearings. Now, thankfully, the public outcry in Massachusetts was loud enough that those plans have been derailed. But right now, we could be looking at the very same situation, actually even worse in Tennessee, because we at least got to see the bill in Massachusetts, HD 4420. We know what's in it. We know how bad it is. Lawmakers just didn't want to hear from their constituents about it. In Tennessee, again, it's very possible that voters will not even have a chance to weigh in in a hearing before these bills get introduced. That They're keeping them behind closed doors. I don't even know if these bills have been drafted yet, if they're still going through the process of trying to figure out what this language should look like. And again, the reason why we don't know this is because Governor Lee has kept so much of this hidden away from the public. Now, the uh, state Senate Majority Leader, um, as I mentioned, uh, the uh, Tennessee Lookout says that uh, Jack Johnson continues to say that he will not support the uh, governor's version of a red flag bill. The uh, Lookout goes on to say Johnson, who typically sponsors the governor's bills as a result of his leadership position, reiterated his stance this week against Lee's proposed extreme order of protection plan, even though it contains a provision for due process before an unstable person's guns can be taken. That, again, a little editorializing from the uh, Tennessee Lookout. Johnson said in a statement that he does not support, quote, red flag laws and never has. Uh, The governor has shied away from the term red flag law. Yeah. Johnson said, quote, should the governor choose to introduce an ERPO during special session, I will not be the sponsor. 
Because the special session itself is controversial and lacks support in the Senate, this is a unique circumstance. Once the governor's other proposals are finalized, I will review each one and consult with my Senate colleagues prior to agreeing to sponsor any administration bills. The uh, lookout also reports that uh, Senator Farrell Hale confirmed yesterday that he plans to sponsor a bill during the special session dealing with mental health and violence. The uh, bill's language is not yet complete, but he said it's critical to note that not all mentally ill people are violent and not all violent people are mentally ill. He said, quote, they're just evil, full of hate of the uh, latter group, those violent people who are not mentally ill. Meanwhile, Democrats started a, a series of town hall meetings on Tuesday that they plan to hold across the state to increase support for tighter gun laws leading up to the special session, the first held in Memphis. And uh, this is a photograph of Tuesday night's meeting in Memphis. You can see there, not a packed house, about 50 people on hand. And that's it. Now, again, we've been told for months now that uh, gun control on the minds of Tennesseans, right? Massive amount of support for uh, gun control measures in Tennessee. Well, there it was, Memphis, a town hall meeting, an opportunity for, again, constituents to uh, to talk with lawmakers about what they want to see in place. And I got to say, it's pretty anemic turnout. Uh, about 50 people, according to the uh, commercial appeal, reporting that uh, about 50 people gathered Tuesday night at the Riverside Missionary Baptist Church to hear State Senate Minority Leader Ramesh Akbari and other legislators, including Representative Karen Camper, Representative Jesse Chim, Chisholm, and uh, Senator London Lamar, taking ideas back to the State House. Multiple members of the Memphis Police Department uh, also attending. Agbari telling those gathered that she believes the governor is open to solutions to gun violence and that she and other Democrats are trying to find, quote, common ground with Republican leadership. She said, uh, quote, gun reform is a bipartisan issue. It's not red. It's not blue. It's not Democratic. It's not Republican. Sharing data. Again, about how the vast majority of Tennesseans support measures like background checks and safe storage. Uh, and again, I think the devil's in the details. You know, it's easy to ask somebody, so uh, do you think there should be background checks on uh, gun sales? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Do you think somebody should go to prison if they sell a gun to their neighbor without putting them through a background check first? You might get very different answers, right? Same with safe storage laws. Do you think that uh, parents should lock up their guns so that they're not accessible to children? Absolutely. Do you think that you should go to prison if you or somebody else who doesn't have any kids in the home uh, doesn't lock your gun up so that it's inaccessible for you to use in case of self-defense? Well, absolutely not. Again, it's all in how you phrase things, including, I believe, uh, talking about the penalty or the potential consequences for violating the gun control laws. Something that actually came up during this hearing or during this uh town hall meeting in Memphis on Tuesday night. A lot of folks there talked about they wanted to see more gun laws on the books. But you also had some of those very same people talk about not being able to arrest our way out of the problem. Uh, Tasha Downey talked about how a 1989 nine-year-old cousin was shot and killed. In 1991, another cousin was shot and killed. In uh, 2021, a 14-year-old was shot and killed. She, uh, according to the Commercial Appeal, also remembers her generation being called super predators with officials saying that youth should be locked up and not considering that young people are impacted by childhood trauma and underdeveloped prefrontal cortexes. Today, she said those same children who might think carjacking is fun have no access to public swimming pools, no places to roller skate, no places to bowl. She said 13-year-olds are full of stupid energy, period. They've got nowhere to burn it up. 
We don't have justice systems that are restorative. We only have retributive justice. We will never be able to arrest our way out of the crime we see, but we can invest our way out of it. Uh, Dr. Altha Stewart, Senior Associate Dean for Community Health Engagement at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, said that kids are, quote, not really prepared for the world of hurt that we've allowed to be developed and drop them into with poverty, instability in housing, inadequate access to health care, behavior health care. Uh, noting that there is currently no reentry program for youth who are leaving the juvenile justice system. And she said 70% of children uh, in the juvenile justice system have mental illness. She said, what if we get upstream of that? What if we start doing a universal screening? The real solution to all of this is getting upstream before it happens. Now, again, there are probably a lot of gun owners who would agree with that. The idea that uh, you're not going to be able to arrest your way out of the problem. You're not going to be able to ban your way to safety. You're certainly not going to be able to criminalize a fundamental civil right to the point that violent crime disappears and people are safe and still, again, able to exercise their right to keep their arms. Not going to happen. So, yeah, I I think you probably find some support uh, among gun owners and Republicans for, uh, quote unquote, upstream ideas. Right. Getting ahead of the problem, trying to stop crime from happening in the first place, trying to stop young kids from becoming youthful offenders. I don't think that that's hugely important. But again, the answer isn't criminalizing a fundamental civil right. And that, unfortunately, is where the Democrats keep going back to. And it sounds like, unfortunately, that's where Governor Lee keeps coming back as well, at least when it comes again to the uh, proposed temporary mental health restraining order, which should be noted as laid out by the governor. And again, we have not seen official legislation, so we're only going on the governor's word here. But according to the governor, there would be guardrails. There would be uh, due process protections that are not typically found in red flag laws uh, around the country. Uh, So you would have a mental health screening. It wouldn't just be a judge deciding whether or not somebody poses a danger to themselves or others. That's that's a positive step. You would have access to a public defender. That's another positive step. But again, ultimately, the problem is when you're dealing with somebody who is a danger to themselves or others, taking their guns away and leaving the dangerous person to their own devices, it's not the answer because you still have the dangerous person out there, right? Now, Some Republicans have floated the idea of expanding the state's involuntary commitment law, which also, again, has some challenges, right? You know, one of the, I hate to call it benefits, but one of the things that Governor Lee has been touting with the temporary mental health restraining order is, well, listen, if somebody is subjected to that, then yes, they they have their firearms taken from them temporarily, but if they're involuntarily committed, if they're adjudicated as mentally defective, they lose their right to keep and bear arms forever. So why would you gun owners want something that's more punitive than a you know temporary confiscation of firearms? And it seems to me like there's... I, I, I hate to use the phrase middle ground, but it does seem to me like there is something in the middle here. And that would be an involuntary commitment that does not lead to the life loss of Second Amendment rights. That dangerous people can get the intensive help that they need. And when they are no longer a danger to themselves or others, then they have their rights restored. Instead, we're asked to choose between taking their guns away and not giving them mental health or giving them mental health, taking their guns away forevermore. And again, it seems to me like there's a third option floating around out there 
I don't know if anybody's going to uh, address that or not. But uh, if we're talking, if again, if it's between a red flag law and expanding mental health uh, involuntary commitments that can lead to a lifetime loss of Second Amendment rights, I, I think it's worth investigating whether or not you can actually expand mental health access, expand mental health treatment, particularly for those who have an acute need, again, while respecting their underlying rights so that when they are no longer a danger to themselves or others, those rights can be restored. Don't know that it's going to happen in Tennessee because, again, we don't know what's coming down the pike in Tennessee right now because all of this is happening behind closed doors. Nobody is willing to talk specifics. Nobody's willing to say, look, here's the bill that I've written. Take a look at it. Let me know what you think. What do you like? What do you not like? Let me know before the session begins so we've got time to go back and change things. Nope. You've got lawmakers huddled behind closed doors. You've got promises about what bills might look like when they're finally made available. But again, if they wait until the session starts, then it's going to be the citizens of Tennessee who are left out. And they're going to have to go along. Their only recourse, again, is going to be uh, showing their objections or their support the next time elections roll around. That's not the way to do this. There is a better way. It involves transparency. It involves sunlight. And again, less than three weeks out from the expected start date of this special session, we've got none of that in Tennessee. And that, again, it's unacceptable. I mean, this is what you would uh, expect to see in a place like Massachusetts or California, not uh, in the pro-Second Amendment stronghold of the volunteer state. All right, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our uh, recidivist report. We'll start there, actually, from California. We've got a, a case out of Escondido, California, where a, quote, ghost gun maker who set up shop in a recreational vehicle has learned his sentence. Now, I have a feeling that if this sentence had been severe, uh, Channel 7 in San Diego would have probably noted that in the headline. There's a reason they did not. A pair of 3D printers, 12 pistol lowers, three rifle lowers, nine 3D printed magazines, gun parts, ammo, and another firearm found in the man's RV, according to Escondido police. The uh, 20-year-old, Jace Allen Tornio, arrested back in April following a traffic stop in which police said he ran from a vehicle. Following his arrest, he was found with a concealed, loaded, unserialized Glock-style firearm, as well as two high-capacity magazines, about three dozen rounds of ammunition, Police say he also had five auto-sear switch devices, which allow the guns to be converted from semi-automatic into automatic firearms. That, by the way, a crime not just under California law, but a federal law as well. Investigators searched his residence a day later and found a, quote, illegal gun manufacturing operation inside an RV on the property. Police released photos of the inside of the RV showing a pair of 3D printers, 12 pistol lowers, three rifle lowers, nine 3D printed magazines, as well as additional gun parts, ammunition, and another firearm. Um... According to one investigator, uh, this is the first time that they've seen this in Escondido. But, quote, according to our federal counterparts, this is the way things are probably going to be going. Uh, all you need is a 3D printer. The software is free. Then you go and buy the polymer or plastic to make the pieces. And that's really all it takes. Tornio originally charged with 28 felonies, most of which charges of unlawful possession of machine guns. Faced around 10 years in state prison if convicted of all of the charges. And again, if he was sentenced to serve those concurrently. Instead, a plea deal was offered. 
And uh, Tornio pled to a single count of unlawfully converting a firearm into a machine gun. And he was sentenced, you ready, to a year in jail and two years probation. That's right. This is what California's gun control laws look like when they're uh, levied against somebody who is accused of being an illegal gun maker and trafficker. Note, by the way, that this case wasn't referred to the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was not kicked up to federal court. It was kept right there in California with all of these restrictive gun laws in place. Now, if you or I uh, live in California, we might, well, and you may very well, I never will. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but if I lived in California, I-, I would be concerned about possessing a quote-unquote large capacity magazine. I would be concerned about buying ammunition out of state and then bringing it back into California because it's against the law. There are all of these prohibitions that are put in place. And law-abiding citizens try to live within the confines of those laws. The state makes it very difficult to comply. You may not even realize that you're in violation of a law because there are so many of them on the books. But generally speaking, these responsible gun owners are trying to do this. And we're told again that California's gun laws, well, they're, they're really severe, right? They, they have an impact on people like Jace Allen Tornio. In practice, though, you get a soft on crime prosecutor, doesn't want to see somebody like Tornio go to federal prison for 10 years or more. Doesn't even want to see Tornio go to California Department of Corrections for a decade. And so instead, a deal is struck and accepted. And instead of a decade behind bars for violating all kinds of California's gun control laws, Jason Allen Tornio goes to jail for a year. Two years probation, I mean, he'll be out maybe in time to celebrate his 21st birthday. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable to me. And yet you've still got lawmakers in Sacramento who are introducing and approving scores of legislation that is aimed directly at these states' lawful gun owners and blaming those lawful gun owners for the actions of violent criminals, violent criminals who are aided and abetted by guys like Jace Tornio, who get a slap on the wrist when they're caught by law enforcement. Yeah, It is a topsy-turvy world out there in California where the uh, criminal is treated better than the uh, lawful gun owners in many cases, and this is another example of that. Today's Armed Citizen Story from Spring Branch, Texas, where the uh, local police there say a woman shot and killed a man who tried to break into her home. This is from uh, KHOU in uh, Houston, Texas. This uh, happened last Friday. A woman shot and killed a man uh, who she said was trying to break into her home in the Spring Branch area, according to the uh, Houston Police Department. Uh, Houston PD said the 41-year-old woman cooperating with investigators. They said that she believed, uh, they believe she fired in self-defense. Happened at an RV park. Uh, just after 7 a.m. last Friday, police said the 53-year-old man recently moved into the community. He and the woman had just met. Police said they're still not sure what the motive is behind the break-in. They said the two were not in any sort of relationship. Um, David Kwok, associate professor of law at the University of Houston, says, well, if it was her RV, that would make a legally relevant difference. Another critical factor is this question about whether it's reasonably necessary to use deadly force. Um, 
This is being referred to a grand jury, but the uh, woman not arrested. Again, police believe that she was acting in self-defense. So we'll keep our eyes on this uh, situation, see if we get any more details there out of uh, Houston, Texas. Speaking of Houston, that is also the uh, site of today's good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A uh, good Samaritan in Houston who saved a uh, disabled man from a house fire in uh, Houston, Texas. Started uh, around 11 o'clock Tuesday night. Houston Fire Department says a man was walking by when he saw smoke coming from a bedroom window. And then he ended up breaking the window and along with a few other Good Samaritans helped pull the disabled man from the home. Fire officials say if it had not been for that quick action from the Good Samaritan, the man might not have survived. They said that's actually where the fire started was the man's bedroom. The victim rushed to the hospital, burns over 90% of his body. So he may not be out of the woods yet. Uh, If you are the praying kind, please keep this guy in your thoughts and prayers because he's going to need it. Cause of the fire is still under investigation. And again, we don't know the name of this Good Samaritan or the others who helped out. But what we do know, again, is that uh, if they hadn't acted when they did, uh, this story might have had a very different ending. So, again, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. The anonymous Good Samaritans in Houston, Texas, saving the day and saving a life as well. Now, that's going to do it for this edition of Aaron Arms Cam and Company. But we will be back tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't forget to check out BarryandArms.com throughout the day for the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation as well. And if you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As I was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. New stories and analysis that matter, just like your support. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your uh, hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.